the Amidah of Rosh Hashanah is unique. It contains not the usual seven blessings that we have on the Shabbat and all the festivals. It contains rather nine blessings. The nine blessings <coughs> are the three introductory blessings and the three concluding blessings, which are standard in all of the Amidot. But in the middle of the Rosh Hashanah service, at least in the Musaf service, as we have it, there are three blessings. One blessing is called Malchuyot, kingship. Zichronot is the second. Remembrances. And finally, Shofarot. Shofar. Normally, in the middle, there's one blessing. Blessing about the day, sanctity of the day. On Shabbat, Mikadesh Yisrael, Mikadesh HaShabbat. And on the festivals, Mikadesh Yisrael Vahazmanim. On Rosh Hashanah, that blessing is combined with another blessing. In our case, it's Malchuyot, that's our practice. So we have Malchuyot combined with Kedushat Hayom, Zichronot and Shofarot, three blessings as opposed to the normal one blessing in the middle for a total of nine blessings. Actually, in the Gemara, there's a dispute as to Kedushat Hayom. One view, the view of Beit Shammah, is that Kedushat Hayom is a separate blessing, and in fact, we have ten blessings. Beit Hillel says there are only nine, and Kedushat Hayom is combined with another blessing. But there exists in the Talmud two different opinions about which blessing we combine Kedushat Hayom with. Is it Malchuyot, which is our practice, or is it Zichronot, the blessings of remembrances? And this dispute is not merely a technical dispute about how to combine Kedushat Hayom into the service. Presumably, it's a dispute about the very nature of Rosh Hashanah. What is the basic idea of Rosh Hashanah? Is it fundamentally a day of remembrance, which means, at first glance, a day of judgment? Or is it the day of kingship? Is Rosh Hashanah a day in which we proclaim God's kingship Perhaps one might say enthrone God. And our practice is to combine the blessing of Kedushat Hayom, the blessing of the day, with Malchiyot. So the day of Rosh Hashanah is a day of God's kingship. And conspicuously absent from the Rosh Hashanah service are things that we might expect to find on Rosh Hashanah, which is the first day of the ten days of repentance, such as confessions, such as slichot, which we do not have. And that's actually very surprising that we have no slichot, no penitential services on Rosh Hashanah, given the fact that for the Ashkenazim, who begin reciting slichot the Saturday night before Rosh Hashanah, or sometimes the previous Saturday night, if Rosh Hashanah falls shortly after Shabbat, the longest slichot service of the Ashkenazim is the day before Rosh Hashanah, Erev Rosh Hashanah. The second longest slichot service for the Ashkenazim is the day after Rosh Hashanah, Tzom Gedalia. But in Rosh Hashanah itself, there are no slichot. Rosh Hashanah is not a day of repentance in that sense, confession. It's a day of 
enthroning God. It's a day of God's kingship. The interesting is that it's interesting to consider what that actually means. That the day of Rosh Hashanah is about God's kingship. The idea of God's kingship is that we see the world as God's world and we see ourselves as living in God's world. Typically, I think we tend to see the world as our world. One reads the creation stories of Sefer Breshit, both the first creation narrative and the second. In the second, God creates the human being and the animals are created, says the Torah, and brought to the human to see if they will satisfy the human. The sense one gets in the second creation story is that created things are there for the human. Even the first creation story, the world that's described as being created in six days and God resting on the seventh, but it would appear that the crowning achievement of God's creation is the human. And one could read into that the sense that everything that precedes the human is there uh, for the human, is there to serve the human. Interesting that the Haftarah of Parshat Bereshit makes a very different kind of statement, taken from the prophet Isaiah. There it says quite simply, all that I have created, says God, is my own honor, my own glory. That represents a very different way of seeing the world. It's not a world created for us. It's God's world in which we live, and it's God's world in which we serve. And the truth of the matter is that in reading the Torah, generally speaking, and let's say specifically the story of the exodus from Egypt and the formation of the nation, one can read that story from two radically different perspectives. One could say that God redeems Israel because God is concerned about the suffering people. God wants to free Israel. God wants to give them an opportunity to make their own choices and to, uh, to live a life free of suffering and to bring them to a good and broad land. But fundamentally, God's goal comes from God's compassion and concern for a suffering people. But there's a very different way to read the book of Exodus, and that is what Moshe actually says to Paro. Shalach ami v'yavduni, send my people out that they should serve me. The purpose of the plague, says Moshe, is that you should know that God exists, you should know that God is here in this land, you should know there is none like me, no God like me. And an additional purpose is that we, the Israelites, should tell our children and grandchildren about God's glory and God's miracles. That's a very different statement. God took us out of Egypt, not because God was concerned primarily with our suffering. God took us out of Egypt to serve God. So the idea of God's kingship on Rosh Hashanah represents for us a different way to see the world. And it's interesting that on Rosh Hashanah, 
in these three sections of the Amidah, Malchiot, Zichronot, and Shofarot, the text of the service consists of a set of verses. We follow the opinion of Rabbi Akiva that in each of these three blessings there's a minimum of ten verses. Three from the Torah, three from the Holy Writings, the Psalms in our case, three from the prophetic writings and a tenth verse from the Torah. Interesting, the Chazin on Rosh Hashanah, who repeats the Musaf prior to the Malchiot service, petitions God, asks permission to pray. In the Ashkenazic rite, the little prayer begins with the words, even has a special tune. And afterwards, the Chazin begins with, God, we pray, we hope. We hope to see God's kingship in the world, to remove all the foreign idols, and so forth. So that's the beginning of the Malchiot service, introduced with Ochila. On Yom Kippur, in the Musaf, in the same place, the Chazan petitions Ochila Lachel. Again, he has permission to pray. But that's followed by the service of the high priest on Yom Kippur. The service of the high priest on Yom Kippur, there are actually many versions of that service, but fundamentally, and the earliest uh, attested uh, version that we have, is essentially a almost verbatim repetition of the Mishnah in Tractate Yoma that describes the service of the high priest. In other words, on Rosh Hashanah, the service is biblical text, biblical verses. Yom Kippur, the text in the parallel place is the Mishnah. Because Yom Kippur fundamentally is about the human being and human possibility. Rosh Hashanah is about God. We are very reluctant to speak about God. So when speaking about God, we choose to speak about God with God's own words, the Bible itself, three verses from the Torah, three verses from the Psalms, three verses from the prophetic writings, and the tenth verse from the Torah. Rosh Hashanah is a day about God, coronation of God. We live in God's world. We're here on this earth to serve. I think that's a very important statement for we who typically don't tend to see the world that way.